Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mr. Classic Wrestling Podcast. And today I'm going to do my AEW Dynamite review. Uh, starting off the evening, we're going to our first match on the card. It is the Young Bucks and SCU versus the Acclaimed and Hybrid 2. Again, this was a really good match, action-packed match. You know, you always get a very action-packed match when you get the Young Bucks, man. They are, the, to me, the best tag team in the world, hands down. And nobody's really going to change my mind. Um, the, the biggest storyline going into this match, I can honestly say, is it seems like SCU is eventually going to break up, and Daniels and Kazarian are going to go their own way. Um, there's been a lot of whole speculation about them wanting to just do a singles career thing, probably Daniels being more... Uh, backstage kind of thing and Kazarian just going for a singles run because you haven't really even seen Scorpio Sky with Daniels and Kazarian and to be 100% honest I can't tell you the last time we've seen Scorpio Sky on actual Dynamite on TNT he's doing a lot of AEW dark stuff on you uh, on YouTube so I don't know how that's whole playing out maybe they're having a falling out who knows it's still yet to be seen um, SCU do win this match after the match though um, they won another tag team match with the Bucks um, and if they can't beat the Bucks, they don't want to be a tag team anymore, and they want a title shot at the Young Bucks. And to be honest, everybody has a clean slate, uh, clean slate uh, this year. They're in the new calendar year. Obviously, all the rankings are zero, zero, zero. Um, I think SCU would be a great uh, challenge for the Young Bucks. To be 100% honest, obviously, there's a lot of history between the Bucks and SCU. Um, and I think it would make for a fantastic match. And I think the Bucks are going to give them the opportunity to have this match. So, very much looking forward to see what happens next with SCU. But hats off to SCU for getting the win in this match. Um, after that match, we can go to our uh, next segment on the card. John Moxley does return to Dynamite after the loss that he suffered from Kenny Omega and from the helping of Don Callis, of course. John Moxley shows up on Dynamite. Moxley pretty much mocks Don Callis, says that he, uh, he looks like a used car salesman, which honestly he does. It was absolutely hilarious. Moxley said um, Omega crossed the wrong guy. And to be honest with you, I don't know when when Moxley is going to strike on uh, Omega. I mean, it seems like Kenny Omega has spent more time on Impact Wrestling than uh, AEW Dynamite in the, the past few weeks. So I do look forward to seeing what Moxley is going to do and how he's going to get revenge on Kenny Omega. So action-packed stuff, and I'm very much looking forward to it. After that match, we go to our next match on the card. It is Jake Hager versus Wardlow. Uh, pretty much this match was a back-and-forth match. Warlow does hit three released German suplexes on Jake Hager, which were very impressive. Warlow then hits a German suplex on Hager as well. Warlow then hits a swanton off the top rope on Hager. Warlow then hits a signature F10 on Jake Hager, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Wardlow. To be honest, and I know some people may agree, like disagree with me on this, I honestly thought this match was awful. I, I, I really did. I, I didn't see... Number one, this match was lackluster. And the thing with Jake Hager, for me, honestly, and, and the biggest issue I have with him is, number one, he's pretty much hired muscle for Chris Jericho in the inner circle. And that's fine. That's great. And he's a great addition to that stable. But I feel like Jake Hager still has that WWE vibe still left in him. You know, it's a lot of ring rust, a lot of WWE-ish stuff. Um, I do feel like Wardlow was the better person going over in this match. It gives more limelight to Wardlow um, and what he does in his singles run. Um the one interesting thing I will take away from after, you know, after the match was that you could see Jake Hager in the back, probably towards the garage area. He's hitting the walls. He's hitting the garage door. He's completely angry at the fact that he lost the match with Wardlow. MJF actually comes up, tells Jake Hager that he did a great job. Most people don't make it out of the ring with Wardlow, really trying to hype up Jake Hager. So 
in my honest opinion, I kind of feel like maybe MJF is grooming himself to be possibly the new leader of uh, Inner Circle. Because like I said before, it is rumored that uh, Chris Jericho is going to have some tour dates possibly with his band Fozzy. Um, so maybe he's, you know, MJF is going to try to get people behind him in Inner Circle so he can run the Inner Circle. Have Jericho come back. Jericho come back as a babyface. MJF obviously is never going to be a babyface. Always going to be a heel. And have another match between Jericho and MJF, which, again, I'm not against. But hats off to Wardlow for getting the win in this match. After that, we go into our next segment of the night. Private Party is backstage. Um, you know, they want to break out the new year. You know, they got the uh, the gin. Don't quite frankly have the juice. All of a sudden, Snoop Dogg shows up with the juice. Matt Hardy shows up. It seems like Private Party is signing some contracts, possibly for AEW, so on and so forth. Mark Quinn did make an interesting side note, though. When they were in that match, I believe it was possibly a tag match. Um, it looked like uh, Matt Hardy was going to hit. I think it was a battle royal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Matt Hardy was going to hit Mark Quinn with a chair shot, I believe. And, you know, Mark Quinn kind of asked him about it. And he was like, oh, you know, Hardy was like, don't worry about it, so on and so forth. So it does look like Hardy is turning heel here. I don't know really what's going to happen between him and Private Party. Looks like maybe Matt Hardy might be turning on Private Party. So I'm still still yet to be seen, but I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, after that, we go into the Darby Allen and Brian Cage weigh-in. Again, the biggest thing I'll say about this weigh-in that really got underneath my skin, number one, uh, when you have, like, boxing and MMA, obviously, the you know, the competitors are going to about pretty much weigh the same. There is a humongous weight difference between Brian Cage and Darby Allen. I mean, Darby walks into the ring. By the way, he walks into the ring for this weigh-in with a completely new TNT championship. Um, the TNT original TNT championship obviously went to uh, Brody Lee Jr. Negative one. Uh, he has the original TNT championship, and he will have that for the rest of his life. Uh, Darby Allen shows up with the new TNT championship. And I'm gonna be honest with you guys, and I, I I hate saying this, but that new TNT championship is an absolute banger. That that new championship is gorgeous, man. That besides the red leather, you got the black leather with the gold. You know, and a little bit of the silver, man. It looks absolutely beautiful, man. That belt is gorgeous. Um, you know, but it, besides the point, Darby walks down to the ring. You know, Tony Schiavone was on the mic saying, Brian Cage, why don't you weigh in? Taz was giving him a bunch of, you know, BS and asking why Schiavone, uh, Schiavone's in charge. But Brian Cage gets on the scale. Cage comes in at a massive 270 pounds. The guy is a unit. Uh, Allen, you know, he gets he gets on the scale. He weighs it at 170 pounds. There is a 100-pound difference between Brian Cage and Darby Allen. Um, after, you know, Darby weighs in, Darby cuts a little promo on uh, Team Taz. But it looks like Allen was looking for a fight. He said, you know, he usually sees how these things go. He grabs his skateboard. Uh, he was getting ready to fight off Team Taz. All of a sudden, the lights go out. Sting is here. Um, Sting's pretty much staring off at Taz. Taz is pretty much, you know, yelling and screaming at Darby Allen. Uh, Sting then has a stare down with Darby Allen in the middle of the ring. To be honest, I don't know where this whole thing with Sting and Darby Allen's going. I really don't. And I know some people are kind of, you know, fed up with, you know, Sting just showing up and doing, you know, coming out and then, you know, staring down Darby Allen, and that's it. To be 100% honest, am I getting tired of it? Yeah, because it's becoming repetitive. And there needs to be something else. You need to spice this up. I understand long storylines and long story build and building a story. But you need to change it up every now and then because eventually that story is going to get dull. I'm loving Sting being in AEW. And I was, trust me, when he showed up, 
I completely lost it. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, he's back on TNT again. This is fantastic. You know, he might be working with Darby Allen, and that still might be the case. He might be working with Darby Allen, but for right now, him just coming to the ring every time Darby Allen's in trouble and not doing anything, not even really saying anything, it, it's throwing everybody off, and it's really becoming repetitive. I understand long story build, but you need to start adding new pieces into this story, or this story's going to get relatively old fast. I mean, it's been, what, five weeks, and we've seen literally the same thing from uh, from staying in the past four to five weeks, nothing's changed, you know, and it needs to pick up. It needs to build. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Sting does next, but they need to start adding more pieces to this story and what Sting's really doing with Darby Allen. Um, after that, we go to our next match on the card as well. It is Matt Seidel versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, starting off the match, Snoop comes down to the ring with Cody. Looks like Cody has some new entrance music. Uh, with the helps of Snoop Dogg, which was kind of funny because I'm sure Sasha Banks is looking on like, you know, hey, what the hell? You know, you're helping me making my theme song, and then you're helping Cody Rhodes make his. So I'm sure she probably got a great laugh out of that. Uh, the match itself is pretty much a back-and-forth match at first. Seidel hits a devastating kick on Cody Rhodes in the middle of the ring. That was brutal. Cody then applies a sharpshooter on Seidel in the middle of the ring, breaks the hole. Seidel then applies a crossface on Cody. Cody then breaks the hole. Cody then hits a springboard disaster kick on Seidel. Cody then hits two crossroads on Seidel, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match is Cody Rhodes. Um, after the match, though, in the match, Cody did uh, hit Serpentico on the outside. Luther and Serpentico uh, attack Cody after the match. Snoop Dogg then gets involved, hits probably the worst uh, splash off the top rope I've ever seen on Serpentico. I mean, I, he's, what, 48 years old or something like that? Something? Um, the, the splash was awful. You know, Snoop? Great rapper, man. A lot of respect for him. But as far as – and the one thing I love about Snoop, and I know some people have mentioned this, Snoop obviously, you know, he's not a wrestler's wrestler. You know, he was obviously there – you know, he was there to build up their the new show they're having on TBS with Cody Rhodes and so on and so forth. But the one thing I respect about Snoop is Snoop is a wrestling fan. And you can see the passion the guy has in his eyes when he was there at AEW. You know, he, he's a true fan, and he, he loves the business. And that's one thing that I can honestly say I respect out of Snoop. So – Again, hats off to uh, Cody for getting the win on Seidel. And, again, it was really cool seeing Snoop hit that splash, in a way, off the top rope on Serpentico. Um, after that, we go into our next match on the card. It is Sheeta defending her AEW Women's Championship against Abaddon. Uh, starting off the match, Abaddon quickly attacks Sheeta. Uh, Abaddon is pretty much trying to bite Sheeta throughout this entire match. Sheeta then hits Abaddon with the kendo stick on the stage. Abaddon then pulls Sheeta underneath the ring. Uh... Abaddon then comes underneath the ring first. Sheeta comes out, her neck's bleeding all over the place. Sheeta then hits a crossbody off the middle rope on Abaddon on the outside. Sheeta then hits her signature running knee on Abaddon, pins her for the three, and your winner of the match, and still AEW Women's Champion, is Sheeta. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys, man, and I'm going to keep it a buck with you. Um, Abaddon, that gimmick ain't going to last. I, I, I'm gonna, Like I said, I'm going to keep it a buck with you all, man. It's just not. Um, I feel like her gimmick alone... It's got a very low ceiling. It really does. And a couple of things I would take away from the Abaddon gimmick that I do not like. Number one, there should be nobody in professional wrestling right now that does the whole rise up like The Undertaker does. No one should be doing that. Female or male competitor. Remember, that is Undertaker's stick, man. That is Undertaker's gimmick. Leave it be. The other thing that I thought was hilarious was the, the crawl that she did was the same crawl that Bray Wyatt's been using for years. They're trying to take bits and pieces and put it into this woman to make her a monster. And number one, you bill her as this indestructible force, this monster, and she'd have won clean. 
So it's not like you have Abaddon going in as a monster and just destroying Sheeta in under three minutes. You know, and, and, and this is a prime example. When you had Brody Lee, God rest his soul, challenge Cody Rhodes, Brody, uh, Brody Lee beat the hell out of Cody Rhodes in three minutes and made Brody Lee look unstoppable. And it was a fantastic match. They didn't do the same thing with Abaddon. So I don't really think they have a whole lot of faith or trust in Abaddon. But it also shows you, too, how much faith and how small of a depth they have on that women's division on AEW. It is they, The women's division on AEW is trash. I'm sorry. And, again, I would love to see new faces and new names, you know, have be on AEW. When's the, where's Rio? You know, Chris Statlander's out with an injury, obviously. Um. You know, Rio's been gone off TV for a while. They don't have the same names. I mean, and, you know, Big Swole, Britt Baker, Nyla Rose. You need more names, man. You know, you have Thunder Rosa out there, but you need more female talent. You really do. Because majority of the female talent they have right now, not saying they're all bad, but majority of them are on AEW Dark, not even being shown on TNT right now. You know, and, and you still have uh, the NWA Women's Champion showing up. She's having a match, I believe, next week for New Year's Smash uh, Night 2. But I don't know what NWA is doing with AEW either. I have no idea. It's only it's probably the only thing that's keeping them alive at this point right now with her defending that belt on national TV, to be 100% honest with you. And you guys know how I feel about NWA's product right now. It's it's in the it's in the shitter, to be honest with you. It really is. Um, and I'm sorry. I mean, again, I was an NWA fan myself, and I was loving what they were doing with NWA Power. I thought it was great. Uh, this United Wrestling Primetime Live, it ain't cutting the mustard, man, especially after the fact that they're actually showing – the same, literally the same shit on Primetime Live that they're showing on YouTube for free and had people paying for it every week. It's ridiculous, man. It, it, it's a scheme, man. It's a Potsy scheme. But again, hats off to Sheeta for getting the win. I don't know what's going to be next for Sheeta. I'm hoping there's another top contender coming over to challenge uh, Sheeta for the Women's Championship because if not, it looks like she's going to be holding on to that belt for a very, very long time. Um, Abaddon, I don't know what's next for Abaddon. I mean, I think she's, I think she needs a lot of work. Uh, I think she needs more training. They need to do something else with the character because if not, man, it, it, she's not going to stick around very much longer. I, I, I'm sorry to say it. it it's just it, she has a very low ceiling with that gimmick. Um, after that, we go into our main event on the card. It is Kenny Omega defending his AEW Heavyweight Championship against Ray Phoenix. Uh, starting off the match, Omega is on the attack on Phoenix. Omega then hits a devastating Hurricanrana on Phoenix, which was absolutely brutal. Phoenix then gets up, hits a springboard Hurricanrana off the middle rope on Omega on the outside. Omega then gets up, hits a devastating Snapdragon suplex on Phoenix on the outside. Omega then gets into the ring, hits a Kataro Crusher on Phoenix. Omega and Phoenix both exchange chops in the middle of the ring. Phoenix then hits a double springboarded dropkick on Omega. Devastating spot. Phoenix then hits a springboard off the middle turnbuckle into a moonsault into a German suplex on Omega. That spot right there in that match was, man, I lost my mind when I saw that. Omega then gets up, hits a V-trigger on Phoenix. Omega then goes for a one-winged angel, but Phoenix uh, hits a poison rana instead. Phoenix then hits a springboard cutter on Omega. Phoenix then tries to pay, pretty much pays homage to Eddie Guerrero with the frog, uh, the frog splash, but Omega has his knees up, catches Ray Phoenix. Omega then hits a one-winged angel on Phoenix, pins him for the three, and your winner of the match and still AEW World Heavyweight Champion is Kenny Omega. Um, again, great match. After the match, Omega goes to hit another one-winged angel on Phoenix. John Moxley shows up. Moxley hits Omega with the barbed wire bat. Gallows and Anderson arrive. They are on AEW. 
Gallison and Anderson hit a magic killer on John Moxley. The AEW roster ringside is trying to help Moxley, but it's too much for him with the uh, from Gallows and Anderson and Omega. They were pretty much beating up the entire roster. It seemed like that was ringside. Um, a you know the and then not only that, it seemed like at that point Gallows and Anderson. It looked like the invasion was beginning. The wheels were starting to turn for the invasion. Um, the one thing that I will say before I get into the rest of this, it was highlighted in the night that. Next uh, New Year's Dash uh, Smash Night Two, they're supposed to have like the celebration or a, an elite night or something like that, which I kind of thought was weird because Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega's obviously was a part of the elite or still might be a part of the elite, but hasn't really been around Nick and Matt for quite a while now since he's been with Don Callis. So that that was one thing I kind of took away from the night before I get in the rest of this. So that was interesting. Um, after I when I initially thought there was an invasion possibly with Gallus and Anderson showing up. The Young Bucks do arrive. Um, it's pretty much the first time all the original members from the Bullet Club are in the ring at the same time since New Japan. Uh, Omega then, you know, looks around. You know, I, I believe he was like, yeah, the um, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison were holding uh, Kenny Omega's arms back. Then the Young Bucks hit a super kick on Garrison and Pillman, which I was like, all right, you know, obviously they're still friends with Omega. Omega then gets out of that. All of a sudden, Omega puts his arm up and hits the two sweet. Then Anderson and Gallows join them, and not only did they join them, but the Young Bucks joined them in a two-suite as well. So it looks like the band is possibly back together. The Bullet Club is in AEW. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, <clears throat> if this is what, what I think is going to happen, and having the Bucks, Gallows, and Anderson, and Omega in a stable together, wow. You know, I don't know if they can use the same Bullet Club name like how New Japan is doing, um, but it, that was, that was amazing. They blew the roof off the place when they did that. I mean, it's been so long since those guys were in the ring together since obviously since new Japan and bullet club at that time was a big deal, very big deal. And it was one of the things that was keeping new Japan pro wrestling, you know, in the public spotlight for sure. In my honest opinion, um, this is fantastic. It really is. Now, I don't know, you know, Moxley obviously is looking for revenge on Kenny Omega. Now, Kenny Omega looks like he has some backup, not that he really needs it. You know, with Omega having Gallows and Anderson in the Bucks, possibly all being together. What's next for Moxley? And I don't think Moxley's going to go in this alone. Now, Impact has some talent. You know, I would love to see Moxley teaming up with Sammy Callahan. They have a history. But there's, you know, five people on, you know, Kenny Omega's team. What if we had Moxley, Callahan, Rich Swan, and the Motor City Machine Guns in a little bit of a stable challenging, you know, the elite, or if you will, or the Bullet Club, you know, or example, you know, my thing is, this might be grooming something for a, like, War Games match, possibly the Blood and Guts pay-per-view, and having a cage match like War Games, where you got the elite or the Bullet Club versus, you know, Moxley's team. And if I'm not mistaken, Moxley, you know, AEW fought a trademark for the Blood Brothers, um, possibly to use for John Moxley. So maybe this is something that's going to start building here and Moxley making his own little stable. Uh, called the Blood Brothers. And I think it's a perfect build, if that's the case, going into the Blood and Guts pay-per-view, possibly. You know, and here's the other side note, too. Who did attack John Moxley in that contract signing that he had when he was going to, when he had the match with Kenny Omega? Who attacked Moxley? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Who attacked him? You know, I'm very much looking forward to see where this is going. And, and my thing was, and I, I stated this in the past, when AEW came around, man, when they first started, they were, cook, they were cooking with grease. Last night, in the past few weeks, past few months, 
they've been cooking with gasoline, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I'm very much looking forward to see what AEW is doing leading into the summer and what's next for AEW. Who else is going to show up on AEW? And again, long story build. You know, you had Kenny Omega in this RV, the whole impact thing. And then you have new insight into the story with Gallows and Anderson showing up. And, you know, everybody's doing a two suite. The Bucks join in. This is a long storyline that's continuing to build and build and build. And finally, when we get that final product, it's going to be absolutely amazing, ladies and gentlemen. This is exactly what wrestling's all about. Absolutely, hands down. So, and like I do with every single one of these shows, you guys know by now that you swing by and check it out. And the ones that do swing by and check it out, I do appreciate y'all. Much respect to y'all. I'm going to have to give this one probably six and a half, seven, man. This episode was an absolute banger. And the other little side note, I will say, Ray Phoenix to me, and it's, it's probably very hard to argue with me on this point, I think Ray Phoenix is the best luchador that's out there in the game in pro wrestling right now. I'm sorry. There, there is nothing, there's nobody out there right now that is a luchador that can, that can hold a candle to that man right now. Ray Phoenix uh, is, is a gift to us, to be honest with you. And what I mean by that is the, the, the stuff that he's doing is absolutely insane in that ring. Absolutely insane. And he can go a 60-minute match. I mean, I would love to see a Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix Iron Man match, man, because it would be one hell of a match. And honestly, I can see him being AEW World Heavyweight Champion here relatively soon. I know he didn't win it last night, but give it time, and that guy's going to be a world champion, hands down. He is the best luchador around right now. I would even say he's better than Rey Mysterio, to be honest with you. To be, and I know it might be crazy, but I mean, Ray was before his time. Don't get me wrong. And I, I have a lot of respect for Ray Mysterio, but I got to put Phoenix in that conversation, man. That guy is one hell of a talent and one hell of a competitor. And he showed that last night. That was a classic match, man. That match was an absolute banger. So I had to give this a six and a half and seven. I'm very much looking forward to see what's going to happen with Omega and, you know, the Bucks and Gallows and Anderson and what's going to happen in the next few weeks. Very much looking forward to that. But I had to give this show a six and a half, seven. So I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful. And remember, stay classic. Peace.